comment to Glad last night as I was reflecting on this weekend. And I just said, you know, I'm just so grateful. I said, I, in no way would I want to ref- want to come across that that we have done it right and that this is this is the way that uh, will eliminate any kind of problems in the future. That's not at all how I feel. I do feel like we've been very intentional uh, in this process of ordination and choosing leadership for the congregation here. And uh, maybe one of the ways that we have been a little bit lax in the past, and uh, I just want to thank you as a congregation for allowing us to uh, take this time to mentor and to just a time of training and, and just to, um, yeah, just to really uh, be intentional about seeking uh, a pastor for the congregation here. You've, uh, you've been troopers through this experience. This is the second time now, um, the last two ordinations that we've had for Brother Laverne and for Brother Jake, that there was no lot. And I'm not opposed to a lot. My preference would be that the church would speak and that there would be one that would be chosen by voice of the church. That would be my preference. And that's the way it's happened the last two times. Uh, I just think that there's a, I think there's a, it speaks of a sense of unity. And I think it's, it speaks in affirmation to the one that's chosen. And so again, uh, I'm not opposed to it, but uh, this would be my preference. And, and I give God the glory for that. Jake has done very well. Uh, we, you know, one of the things that we had said that he would preach once a quarter, and we started out that way, and, and then he came to me and said, James, you know, I, I honestly, I feel like it would be, it would be better if I would, if I would share more, and I'm okay with doing that, and, uh, and I'm okay with that. I was okay with that. It was, uh, the, the reason we had laid that out was just simply that, you know, I, sometimes we bring people in, to the ministry and it's just cold turkey they start in right away and, and it's a really difficult transition and uh, so we just wanted to give them that time but in his case he said I'm okay with with being on a regular rotation which we did that then and I think he's done well through that thank you again to you as a congregation for speaking into this process well, I just thought as Jonathan shared what he did prior to the singing, I just thought how well that fits in with some of the things that God, I felt God had uh, laid on my heart to share with you. What, a, what an incredible um, uh, uh, way that God worked to, uh, to aff- affirm what he laid on my heart. And then Brother Jake shared from the passage that I felt like God was asking me to share from. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Again, the passage of Scripture that uh, Jake had just read. The message this morning obviously is geared toward some instruction, particularly for Brother Jake. But I don't want the rest of you to shut off what is being said. Because especially for fathers, and even for you young men, who at some point will be called to various types of leadership, whether it's work, whether it's uh, youth possibly, uh, some of you are in, on the committee right now, and the same principles that I am talking about this morning 
are, are the same principles that applies to any kind of leadership, whether it's fatherhood, whether it's being a foreman at work, whether it's what, whatever way that God is calling you to serve in any uh, responsibility that, that calls for you to lead out, these principles work, okay? So don't turn out, uh, tune out just because we're referencing Jake this morning. I've given a lot of thought to this in the last several weeks leading up to this event, and as I was studying this passage of Scripture, Jake is a young man, 35 years old, and uh, I, just, uh, I, I just have a, a lot of uh, um, appreciation. There's something refreshing that youthful energy brings to a team and uh, to the table. And as I put myself into Jake's shoes, I was uh, younger when I was first commissioned when we went up north. I was about his age when I was ordained uh, in 98, I believe it was, 97, 97. And I asked myself the question, if I, were at, if I were in Jake's position this morning, what would I want to know? What would I want to know if I were, what, what, what would I want to know if I were starting out where Jake is starting out this morning? And as I reflected on that, I thought about, I thought about the fact that there were, there were two men that entered into my life at a very young age that I would look to as, my, as mentors who really spoke into my life. In fact, I don't think they have a clue how much they shaped who I am today. One has since passed on, and uh, I don't think Brother David has any idea how much of what he spoke into my life shaped the way I lead today. And Brother Wayne is still living. In fact, I have a file at home in my, in my <clears throat> one of the files I have at home um, is uh, the heading is funeral plans. And I, I've planned my own funeral. And one of the things I have is I put down if, if Brother Wayne is still living, if I go before he does, I'd like for him to speak at my, preach at my, at my funeral. Man that I look to as a dynamic uh, father, and not that he did everything well or perfect, but I saw a relationship with his children that he had with his children. And I said, as a young father, I said, when I'm his age, I want to be that kind of dad. And I spent a lot of time with him. So as I thought about that, I thought about the uh, several brothers here in the congregation. In fact, I thought about Brother Lamar. I knew you were going to be here this morning. And I want you just to think about this. I'm going to be asking a couple of you. If you were starting over, and I know Brother Lamar has, has spent a lot of time in the ministry. If you were starting over, what would be one word of advice that you'd want to know? What would be one thing you'd want to know? And I know I didn't give you a lot of time, Brother Lamar, but what kind of advice would you want to know that you'd want to, just in a sentence, that you'd want to tell Jake this morning?
Wow. Okay. Very good. You heard that, Jake, right? Okay. Okay. He is a pretty patient man, I would say. Henry was a, a brother that, as a young man, I listened to him preach many, many Sundays and uh, has influenced me in a lot of ways and had the privilege of working alongside of him. Henry, you were... 26, am I correct, when you were ordained? 25. 25, 25 years old. If you were starting over, what would be one thing you'd want to know that you know today? Thank you, Henry. Thanks for that honesty. That's one characteristic of, of Henry. I think you all know as a congregation, he's very, very honest. I appreciate that a lot. Brother Tony, I think at one point you were involved in some leadership and maybe some, some advice. I don't know if you have a word of advice that you would give to Jake if you were starting over at, a, at age 35. Would there be something that you'd want to uh, share? I was, I was asking Tony. Sorry about that. Mm. And give a lot of 
Well, I think I could sit down right now and we would have had a message just with the three brothers that shared. Um, I'm going to ask Keith yet. I know that uh, when he started, this was uh, a big step for him. And what would you say to Jake if you were starting over? Why did I know that Keith would say that? Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I think that was very powerful, maybe even more powerful than what I thought it might be. But I think we heard a lot of good, good things. And, and, and you know what occurred to me while I heard these men talking is, is just a recognize, recognize, uh, uh, recognizing your own weaknesses, your own failures, and just realizing that it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And uh, just uh, the times that we have probably all been guilty of, uh, of uh, trying to, to do something on our own. I'd like to take your attention back to the passage there, First uh, Timothy chapter 4. And I'd uh, just like to start out with the first words that we see there in that chapter. Let no man, verse 12, let no man or let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. About seven or eight years ago, I heard Brother Brandon Mullet from Faith Builders observe that our generation, when I'm taking our generation, Brandon's about just a couple months older than I am, 
And, uh, and, and so we're about the same age. We'd certainly be in the same generation. And he just observed that our generation is carrying the bulk of responsibility within the church. And when I heard him say that, I was sort of jolted. Uh, that time I was probably 44, 45 years old. But it's true. It's true. For the most part, the baton has been handed from my parents' generation to my generation. And, um, and, and what we're doing here this morning is, uh, is an effort of, of handing it again from my generation to the one that's following us. Having a younger brother on the team is a blessing because it begins the process of shifting responsibility. And I want to do that well. Keith and I have talked about that uh, in the past, that it just seems like that's one of the weaknesses that we've seen happen repeatedly, <clears throat> that leadership has faltered as it shifted from one to the next. And, uh, and by God's grace, we want to do that well. And again, not here to say that we're doing it right or that we're doing it the, the, the only way. But we want to be very intentional about that. And this is part of the process. So to have a younger person come on is, is a blessing. The propensity for a younger person is to feel intimidated by an older brother. There may be various reasons for this, but I want to break down that notion. Youth bring an energetic perspective to life. The sad reality is that in the West, the church in the West is losing youth and young parents by, by droves. The George Barnard surveys indicate that, that, that there's a mass exodus of youth and young married and young parents that are leaving the church by large numbers. And that to me is very concerning. We do not despise our youth. We do not despise our youth. The word despise there is to think against. It's the idea of thinking against. In other words, what Paul was telling Timothy, and what I want to tell you this morning, Jake, is don't give anyone a reason to think against you because of your youth. And so in some ways, the ball is in your court. And he goes on to explain this process. He says next, he says, but be an example to the believer. Again, the, the, the idea or the word example that we have here is the idea of a die or a stamp or a scar. Now, at work at, the, at, at Air Cabinet, we have a team that we call the specialty department. And the specialty department does all kinds of things that's not in the, the norm. And it includes making things out of wood that are curved or radiused or inverted uh, uh, curves or whatever it is. Uh, anything that's not of the norm. But when they take a piece of wood and they want to shape it to a certain radius, they will make a die or they will make a form to the exact radius that they want to make this piece of wood. And then once they have that form, they then take layers of wood 
and they put glue upon a layer of, of, of wood and then glue and then layer of wood and then glue and, and, and on, so on to the thickness that they desire. And then they put it in a vacuum bag and they draw out all the air in that bag and it just sucks that, it just shapes that wood to the form or to the dye that is inside there. And that's how they achieve the exact radius that they want to that they want to get. Well, that is sort of the idea that we have here. Paul is suggesting that as a young pastor, your life should be a mold. You should be that form, that radius, that by which other lives are shaped. A pastor has influence by virtue of their calling. Use that influence to shape other lives, other believers. And Paul gives six ways that you can do this. Brother Jake, he gives six ways you can do this. The first one is by word. The word is, in the Greek is logos, which means the entire word or the entire scripture. And here I come back to what Brother Keith just said. You will never go wrong, Brother Jake, to preach the word in its entirety. There have been preachers, there have been teachers that have erred from truth by reaching back to their own preference or their own agenda ideas. And I certainly don't exclude myself of being guiltless of this. But I've heard Brother Keith say over and over again, he's urged us pastors repeatedly, preach the word, stick to the word. And when you stick to the word, you cannot go wrong. When you live by the word, you can be very confident in what you're teaching and what you believe. Furthermore, it will help point people in the right direction. The second way it says, in conduct. I think the King James Version uses the word conversation. Not only does it refer to our talk, but it also refers to our behavior, which would line up with our walk. You never know who is watching you. Someone once said that our character is who we are when no one is looking. Who are you? Who are you really when no one is looking? Youth and young parents and young people sometimes can have very high ideals. And that's nothing, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with high ideals. And maybe that's what, maybe that's what Henry was talking about as a, young, as a young pastor. Some of those high ideals that, that we have. In fact, the New Testament raises the standard uh, repeatedly. You've heard that it was said back then, but I say unto you, and Jesus raises that standard. So high ideals are not wrong in and of themselves, but sometimes these ideals can come across rather forceful, which lines up with our youthful passions. And if we're not keep the careful, people will reject the message. I want to give you a for instance. Sometimes a youth or a young parent may observe an older parent who may be neglecting his duty as a parent. The Bible says that parents and fathers in particular should nurture and admonish their children. And maybe a younger person or a young parent may see a, an older parent neglecting that duty. And there is a biblical mandate for parents to nurture and admonish their children. And when they don't do that, children will bear the fruit of that 
the lack of that, uh, of that uh, parent initiative. Well, it's easy for young, parent, or young parents, or maybe a youth even, to look at that parent and, and be rather critical. <laughs> you know, think to themselves, you know, when I have children, when I have children, I'm not going to do that. And we make judgmental statements or comments about parents who neglect their duties. Well, the thing I want to say to you, Brother Jake, is I don't want you to lower your standard. Keep the bar high. Keep it high. But also be careful that the statements that you make or the conversations that you have do not detract from the message that you're trying to get across. Be careful with your conduct. Be careful with your conversation. The next way that he says that we can be an example is by in love. And I just want to remind you again what the virtues of love look like. It suffers long. It is kind. It does not envy. It is not proud. It does not behave uh, rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not think evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it does rejoice in the truth, and it also never fails. These are some of the qualities of love. Being in the ministry will give you ample opportunity to exercise the virtue of love. I probably said it more in the last two or three years than I ever said it before. But the longer I work with people, the less I seem to know about them. <laughs> That's okay. You know what it does do, what that does to me? As it drives me to my knees. All of a sudden I don't have quite all the answers that I used to think I had. And it really does drive me to my knees. Lord, crying out to him for wisdom and direction. But I also want to say about this whole idea of love, Jake, that this love is not a sugar daddy or a pushover type of a puppet. Love always confronts evil, always. And when you confront evil, particularly in the context of the body, we will very likely be criticized as possibly being a controlling or a, an authoritative pastor. But the fact is, Evil hates good. Evil is the arch enemy of good. And when you need to stand for what is good and for what is right, you may be criticized for that. But I'd like to remind you that when it is all said and done, Satan is, is against God. And, and it is not people that we're fighting. It's, it's, it's Satan that we're fighting. It's, it's, it's good and evil that we're fighting. And it's sometimes hard to separate that when we're dealing with people. But the thing I want to encourage you with is that when it is all said and done, you will not stand before your critics to give an account of your life. But you will stand before a holy God who, who judges righteously and, uh, and, and according to the standard of what is good. And so I just want to encourage you to console yourself in that, in that truth. Another way that we can be an example is in spirit. 
The next example is in spirit. And, how, and what does that mean? It, it is simply just that, that it, it's very simple in the fact that it is, it is a life that is guided by the Holy Spirit. A life that is guided by the Holy Spirit. Show by example what it means to walk in the Spirit of God. I've had individuals tell me already that they seldom hear from the Holy Spirit. The fact is that hearing from the Holy Spirit is something that is developed. We need to give the Holy Spirit opportunity to speak into our hearts. Sometimes we're so busy trying to find our own way that we neglect asking the Holy Spirit to guide us. And so we ask and we pray to the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us, to be still and know that he is God. The fifth thing that we see is that it says to be an example in faith. Jake, the people are not so much interested to hear what you have to teach or say as they are to see how you walk. Your life message in any kind of leader or servant that is in leadership your life message or your walk is of far more interest to people whom you're leading than the message that you teach or preach, especially on a Sunday morning for a pastor. Model what walking by faith looks like. Give those who don't know God a reason to want to get to know him by your walk, by your conduct. The word faith has the idea again of, of, of uh, persuasion or credence, moral conviction. One of the most convict, convincing ways to transmit your faith is to be a person of faith. Faith can only be transmitted when faith is evidence. So be an example by faith. And the last one that we have is impurity. Be an example in purity. Paul references, uh, what he references here to be, uh, to, to be pure is the idea of being chaste in thought and in lifestyle. And again, I can't stress this uh, of, of importance, uh, the, the, the need of this uh, as being important enough to... to uh, I, I, many mighty men have been placed in leadership and they've been brought to a piece of bread like the proverb says they've been brought to a piece of bread because they allowed their passions to get out of control many of you know brother Merle Burkholder and he's a man that from northwestern Ontario he's a man that has raised the standard high and has instructed many men in, uh, in a mentor uh, relationship. One of the things I've heard him say is that he made a decision long ago as a young man to never be seen in a car in public with another woman other than his wife and his daughters uh, because he doesn't want to give anybody a reason to question his motives. I thought, wow, that's good. That's good. Place healthy parameters around yourself. God designed men 
and males with an instinctive leadership propensity. And in that design is a strong sexual orientation. Now that orientation is not wrong. In fact, after God made Adam, he stood back and he says, it's good. I like the way I made him. It's good. It was placed there by God to help us men take initiative to lead. But we also know that Satan takes everything that is good and he twists it into something that is evil. And as a result, this orientation has become a vice to many rather than a blessing. And so, Brother Jake, I just want to encourage you. Show men, both young and old, by virtue of example, how, how to embrace their sexuality for his glory, for God's glory. It is possible. So six ways that we can be an example. The next verse we go on, it says, till I come, pay attention or give attention. My mother tells me the story of my younger cousin who was born and raised Amish, and understandably, his only language for the first several years of his life was Pennsylvania Dutch, and which was okay. But it suddenly occurred to the parents several days or weeks before he was sent off to public school that this little boy only knows Dutch, and this might create a problem. And so they, mom tried to teach him some key words and phrases, and uh, with, a, with a, uh, a quick breath and a prayer, sent him off to school for the first day. And she kept checking back with the little boy and uh, wondering if everything is going okay. After school every day, she'd ask, Are, is everything okay? Do you understand what's being said? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, he assured her that, that it's going okay and he understands what's going on. However, her worries came to a head after a week or two of school when he came home and she asked him again if everything was okay and he said, yes, it's okay. But he said, what does the word pay attention mean? The teacher keeps saying it to me. Well, Jake, I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to three things that should be on the radar for a pastor. The first one that he gives is that you should give attention to reading. Give attention to reading. Charlie Tremendous Jones, and I think you've heard me say this before already, but he said, you are the same person today as you will be in five years from now, except for two things. The books you read and the people you meet. Reading shapes how we think and what we believe. At any given time, I will usually have at least one book on my desk that I'm reading and possibly two even that I'm reading simultaneously. I don't get to spend as much time reading as what I would like. But even if it's just for 10 minutes, I'll try to pick up a book and read. I know that Jake likes to read, and that's good. So it's probably not a difficult instruction to hear. But I want to encourage you, Jake, as busyness in your schedule increases, to allow enough time to keep filling your mind with new books and good books. I like how my mentor, Wayne, said about books, though. He said, reading books is like eating fish. You chew the meat 
and spit out the bones. And so not every book that we read is always theologically correct or, or uh, uh, philosophically correct. So we evaluate it and we, we are careful what all we take in and how it aligns with scripture. Take it back to scripture and see how it aligns. But reading books has a way of increasing our knowledge and our understanding of life in general. However, the instruction here is not so much of just reading books in general, but it is specifically talking about reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God, our daily scripture reading. That's one of the reasons that we have incorporated scripture reading in our Sunday morning worship. Now, this is not to replace our personal reading time. But it is something that has been part of the church even back in the Jewish days, in the Jewish synagogues. We see them reading the scriptures. Even in the early church, we see this being repeated over and over, reading the scriptures. And it should be part of our, of our uh, worship as well. Reading scripture in public. I like to see a well-worn Bible and one that I've already thought, I really, really need to get another Bible. But you know, I've got so many things marked in my Bible, I just hate to give it up. Uh, I've got papers or pages that are coming out that are tearing, but I just, I, I, know, my, I know this Bible. And uh, I like the things that I've got written in it, the notes. I've seen Brother Lamar's already, and I think I have a lot of notes uh, he's got many, many more than I have. But read the scriptures, Jake. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Know what it says. Know what you believe. Which leads us up to the next one. Give attention to exhortation. In Acts chapter 13, and I'm not going to take the time to, to, to turn to it, but we see, this, we see this pattern of the early church. It was the time that Paul had gone to Antioch. And it says they went to the synagogue and then they, they read the scriptures in public. And after they were finished reading the scriptures in public, they asked Paul to give an exhortation on what they just read. And for the next, well, from, for, for the next 25 verses, Paul exhorts the Jewish people there in the synagogue on the passage of scripture they just read. After they were finished, the Gentiles came to Paul and they begged him. The scripture says they begged him to give them that same exhortation the next Sabbath day, which he did. And of course, out of that came a riot, uh, which is not what we want to accomplish. But uh, it, it just showed the jealousy that, that, the, uh, that the Jewish people had because of the exhortation that how the people, the Gentiles, wanted to have that same instruction given to them. This was the pattern of the other church. Exhortation has the idea of imploring or entreating. It's not so much instructional as it is coming alongside of a person with encouragement. Some people call it friendship evangelism. And there's some room for this. But ex exhortation also needs to be balanced with instruction. And that's the next one that we have. Give attention to doctrine. The word doctrine there is, is literally means instruction. Our pastoral team here is committed to the value of instruction. 
I have just spent the last six months instructing our new believers in, uh, in the doctrines of the word, and I've really enjoyed that time. It's a real privilege for me to be able to take these young lives and teach them the doctrines of the word. Again, I would just come back and just say that anyone who has counseled with Keith for any amount of time will have heard him say, allow me to give you just some good instruction. And he'll take you right back to the word. And that's a good example, Brother Jake. See, our goal is for you as a congregation. Our goal as a pastoral team is for you as a congregation to own the convictions that are being taught. Rather than having a long list of do's and don'ts, and I'm not against that because the scripture also gives us, but if we only, if we simply give you a list of do's and don'ts, and you do it simply because the church requires it, there's very little conviction there. We're not trying to get away from the do's and don'ts, but what we want you to do is we want you to reach out to those things and grab it and make it a part of your life and your conviction, and now we have something. We want you to do it because you know in your heart this is what Christ wants. And because you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you want to do that because you want to please him by simple obedience. And so we want to be diligent in instructing the word. Next it says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. In a few moments, you will see Brother Keith Laverne and myself laying hands on Brother Jake and Charlene as we pronounce a charge that will be given to them. There is something implicit that transpires in this process. It releases the gift which they have already been called to. Something happens. Something transpires. Brother Jake, as you leave this ceremony this morning, that was not there previously. This is not setting you up to be above your brothers or sisters in the congregation. But in the New Testament church, it does instruct us to have eldership in place. And from this day forward, I just want to encourage you to reach back to this time when you feel timid. And remember that there are times in leadership, in ministry, where it will call for you to make tough decisions. But I want to encourage you to reach back to this occasion and then to go forward with God's strength. Don't neglect the gift that is unleashed today as we lay hands on you and we pronounce that charge over you. And just a few words of instruction to the congregation. You know, your encouragement to Brother Jake and the other pastoral members is so encouraging. Just the support of speaking a word of encouragement will go much further than what you ever think. I've had the blessing of many of you speaking into our lives and it's been such an encouragement. A note of encouragement, a gift of money perhaps that people have given, box of goodies, just speaks volumes. 
as you encourage them in this way. And then it goes on and says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Again, I'd just like to go back. Jake can say that the instruction that I give you today is not all inclusive, but it is a good place to start. I just want to remind you again to meditate. It says to meditate on being an example. Be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Meditate on these things. This is a good place to start. And I also want to remind you to give attention, again, to what we talked about earlier, reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. This is a good place to start. And God will grow your ministry according to his will from there. Finally, I want to take you back to the last verse that we have in this passage of Scripture. It says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in so doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Paul recognized that what you teach, if, if, if what you teach is not first part of who you are, then you will probably not, it will probably not settle into the hearts of those who are listening to you. So it's important that the doctrine you teach is first settled in your heart. Once it is rooted in your life, you can preach and teach with authority. Not authority that is drummed up in our own, in our own self or, or misplaced authority in a position, but authority upon the word of God. This transcends what all other people think, and, that, and, and then we only become concerned about what God thinks. That's the authority that we're talking about, the authority that the word of God puts on you. This is a very important, probably possibly the most important instruction in this entire message. Why? Because the salvation of others depend on it. The phrase, save yourself and those who hear you, is not referring to justification on your part. You can't save people. We all know that. So it's not referring to justification on your part. But what it is talking about is what happens through sanctification. The sanctification of those who are under your care is heavenly contingent on how settled you are in the doctrines of the word. And so this morning, I just want to commit as an older brother on the team, I just want to commit to being that kind of encouragement and that kind of a cheerleader in your life that would help you grow and prosper and to be successful, not in man's eyes, but in God's eyes, and to have a ministry that would bring glory to his name. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and we thank you and praise you for your many blessings. Thank you that we are here at this moment to place a charge on Jake and Charlene and the family that you've called them to a work of of pastoral ministry here at the congregation of Berea. And I would pray, Father, that you would give them the sustenance and strength that is needed for this journey. I would pray that you'd give them wisdom and understanding and that they would reach out to these uh, pieces of advice that are found in Scripture and uh, that it would uh, be a way that they could develop and grow and mature in your faith. Lord, guide and keep us and direct us, and we want to give you thanks and praise. In your name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.